Hello, and welcome to Dockside, the podcast that helps you save and enjoy the waters you love by sharing clean and safe boating practices. I'm your host, Sarah Kennedy. In this episode, we'll talk with a leader for women sailing, Captain Marie Rogers. Marie Rogers was the second woman in 118 years and the first Black woman to be the Commodore of the historic Los Angeles Yacht Club. There, she established a sailing school and community sailing program. Marie races avidly. She was able to race in the 50th Trans-Pacific race where she didn't see the diversity she was hoping for, prompting her to recruit a diverse offshore team for future races. Marie also races close to home in her J29 Rush Street and does coastal racing on Marie and Nelson Merrick 55 that she shares with Bill, her husband. Rogers loves doing deliveries, cruising, and teaching sailing. Marie is the 2021 Boat U.S. National Women's Sailing Association Leadership in Women's Sailing Award recipient and the Southern California Yacht Association Peggy Slater honoree who best demonstrates outstanding contributions to the enhancement of women's participation in the sport of sailing. She serves on the board of National Women's Sailing Association and is the director at Southern California Yacht Association, where she chairs the Inclusive Boating Committee. She is currently vice president of U.S. Sailing and the national governing body of the sport. We are so honored to have you here today. Marie, welcome. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Can you tell us where you grew up and where you call home today? I grew up in what's known as uh, South Central or maybe Central Los Angeles um, until I was uh, six years old, at which time um, my parents split up and I moved with my mother to the San Fernando Valley. Um, then you jump <laughs> many, many years ahead uh, until, um, oh, let's say a good 40 years later, um, I moved to Palos Verdes, uh, where I remarried, and now I live next to the ocean. You can't ever get enough of the ocean, can you? And you have quite the impressive resume. Can you share with us what prompted your interest in sailing and how you got into it? I've been interested in sports um, since I was a small child. Um, I'm old enough to have uh, participated or been been a victim of desegregation. Um, As as a kid, I was um, always the the only kid that looked like me. I was the only non-white kid in most of my schools. So I was really never picked to be on a team. I was like always the last kid um, to be chosen. And I was very awkward and shy. Um, I had to wear braces uh, and I was in books all the time. So I was just not really part of a team. So I participated in a lot of individual sports such as swimming. My dad was a lifeguard. I did a lot of downhill skiing, cross-country skiing, and then I really got into marathoning and triathlons uh, because it was a way to uh, have an athletic um, outlet, but without being on a chain. Um, Sailing, 
was something that I always wanted to do as well. It's just, I had no real access to it. I didn't know anybody. Um, that was until many years later, I was uh, in my early twenties and I was actually asked out on a date on a boat and I fell in love with it the very first time. It sounds like you had some challenges growing up, but your path finally brought you to sailing. Um, so thank you for sharing that experience with us. Can you tell us a little more about the challenges you faced while getting into sailing, not only as a woman, but also a black woman? That's an excellent question. I didn't really know any black people who were on sailboats. And like a lot of people who grew up when I did, you know, as a person of color, it's, it's kind of hard always being in, uh, in spaces where you're the only kind of odd person, uh, odd person out, uh, nobody that looked like me in the sport. So when I was showing up on boats, uh, people would assume that I didn't know anything or wanted to know where I came from and um, thought maybe I was a foreigner <laughs> because they were just so unused to seeing, you know, someone like me on the boat. It was really awkward in the beginning, but as I became more proficient at the sport, I learned more, I trained more, I got really into it. Um, then people started just accepting me as a sailor. And I think the, kind of the color thing went away. Also, little things that most people wouldn't think about. I mean, like I have, you know, really kinky hair. It's hard to wear a cap. It's like all over the place. Uh, sailing gear is not really set up for, you know, big poofy, you know, curly hair. Um, people would make comments about it, uh, if it was natural and so on. It was very embarrassing to have that in a conversation, just stuff like that. And, and when I started introducing some of my friends into sailing, that was always, especially the women, that was always a topic like, you know, what should I do with my hair and so on. And also people wondering if we really needed to wear sunblock and those kind of embarrassing um, kind of conversations. Um, but as long as I stayed focused on the, the job at hand, which was to make the boat go fast and, <laughs> and for us to be safe while we did it, um, eventually I was able to um, sidestep um, embarrassing conversations. Thank you for sharing those experiences with us. Can you also tell us about your favorite or most outstanding adventure? You know, I've had just about any time on a boat is a wonderful time. It's always an adventure. I mean, I was on a boat yesterday <laughs> in San Pedro. <laughs> um, I, I would say probably my most outstanding adventure besides being in the Transpac race in 2019, was when I did my first Hawaii delivery. I was asked to help move a boat after the Transpac race from Honolulu to Los Angeles on a 70-foot race boat with just three other crew. And that was amazing. It was the first time um, I left you know, shore and uh, was in the middle of the Pacific, you know, in uh, six days um, and not seeing land for, for a long time and knowing 
that I'm just one of four people that's going to get us home uh, safely. Uh, it was fabulous. It was, uh, it was very spiritual to be driving the boat alone at two in the morning, um, just looking at instruments, um, staying on course, um, looking at the stars when the instruments would go down <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> and, uh, and just relying on the three other people that were there. It was quite a fabulous um, opportunity. Not very many people get to have that chance. So I'm, that's probably, that was the coolest thing I ever did. That sounds incredible. And having sailed for so many years, do you still have challenges in sailing as a Black woman? I... It's not so much um, being a black woman anymore. It's more like just being a woman, even though we're in 2023. Um, it's, it's different when you're a woman. I mean, we're not really expected to know as much as men, um, but it's really different sailing with younger men tend to accept us uh, women uh, more readily than people my uh, age. I'm, I'm in my sixties. I want to tell you exactly all the, <laughs> but um, uh, the old, like people, uh, my peers uh, who are men uh, have a hard time letting, letting, letting it go and just believing that we can be as, as good as they are. And, and, in a lot, in most instances, the men will have more uh, physical strength um, to, to perform some tasks, but, uh, but really good female sailors learn how to use their bodies efficiently to do as, as well as a man does. In terms of being a black woman, I still have some of the oldsters kind of amazed that I'm on the boat and that I know what I'm doing. They kind of assume if it's, if I'm, if I'm on a new boat with a different crew, they'll kind of assume I'm still learning how to sail. And one of my friends or a fellow crew will have to say, you're like, do you know who she is? <laughs> anyway, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's not so much an issue anymore, but it does come up. Well, I'm glad that you don't run into that issue as much anymore. Uh, with everything you have done and all the awards you have received, what is the sailing accomplishment you are most proud of? You know, I've done the two like Hawaii trips which were amazing, uh, but probably I'd have to say my most proud accomplishment was sailing a really, a really big race boat to Catalina and back with all women with no men on the boat and having a three-day wonderful adventure. Um, because for years I had seen families sail from you know my home port which is San Pedro to Catalina several times and I always admired that and generally the wives can be like the first mate they kind of sit back and they you know they make all the lunches and, and whatnot but it's very very rare to me to see the wife in the family like take the boat over so when I was able finally one year to convince my husband that I'm fine taking the boat without him <laughs> just to help instruct women how to do that. Um, I felt so accomplished and it was a fabulous weekend with just girls. 
It is so cool to hear that you were able to bring a crew of women together for that experience. And speaking of that, there may be some listeners out there who want to get into sailing but just don't know how. What are some recommendations that you might have to help them get into sailing? That's such a good question. It's so much easier now, now that we have an internet. When I first started <laughs> sailing, there was no internet. So all over the country, no matter if you're in Florida or if you're in Maine or if you're in California, if you're in Arizona, there are bodies of water where people sail. Midwest, you just Google sailing lessons you know, near me uh, is the, probably the easiest way. There are different facilities that teach sailing, uh, basic sailing from the ground up um, all over the place. Now for women, there are women sailing associations also across the country. Um, and, and when you do the search for sailing lessons, you will probably also have um, some of the, the women's groups pop up. For example, in Southern California, we have um, the Women's Sailing Associations. There's one in Orange County, there's Long Beach, there's Channel Islands, there's uh, Santa Monica Bay. And that's where you do all your great networking uh, to get on boats. Um, also, there are women's sailing conventions across the country every year. We have a local one coming up in April 2020, 2023 um, and um, in, in Newport Beach. That's a women's sailing convention. We ha we'll have another one in September. That's through Southern California Yachting Association. That'll be in September of 2023 uh, in uh, one of the Santa Monica Bay clubs. And then um, also in June, we have the National Women's Sailing Association. We'll have their convention. I should say our convention because I'm part of that as well. That'll be in Newport, Rhode Island, um, uh, first week, uh, first weekend in June. So there's a lot of stuff going on. You just have to kind of poke into your community to see what's happening. Um, but for anybody who's interested, I say first thing to do is really learn how to sail with an accredited um, instructor, and and get some sort of um, uh, certification for like a keel boat. 101 type of class. And then for children, it's, uh, it's a whole different um, route you want to take. Um, there are community sailing centers across the country as well. You can just Google community sailing near me. You can have your child or your children on a boat. And as an adult, you could be on another boat. And then once you become skilled, the family can sail together after you, um, you, know, you have your basics. Thank you. So much great information and wonderful opportunities out there. Sounds like you just have to be brave and get yourself out there. Uh, can you tell us about something you learned while sailing that you wish you knew before you started? There are a lot of things I wish I knew <laughs> because I didn't learn the way I just recommended that people learn how to sail. There are um, so many things I wish I knew <laughs> because when I first started, I was basically on a very, very advanced boat and um, it could have been really dangerous. Uh, I wish I knew, I really wish I understood weather. I really wish I understood um, how boats were constructed. I really wish I knew what made them go fast. I really wish I knew um, how to be 
more proficient um, in case of emergencies. Uh, I went by my instincts, which were never to rely 100% on anybody else, including the men who were in charge, because in an emergency, they likely would freak out and I would be the, the calm person on the boat. <laughs> there are so many things I wish I knew. A lot of people who get into sailing look at calendars or they look at you know, images of sailing and it's like women and flowy chiffon and sandals. <laughs> it's really, that's really not what's happening. So that's what I always tell people before they uh, venture into the sport that you have to really accept it for something that's potentially very dangerous, but really learn to be skilled before you set out so that you're always safe. Yes, it's so important to educate yourself and know before you go. What are your most important safety tips for not only women getting out on the water, but safety tips for all new boaters? Number one, always wear a life jacket. I don't care how cute your sailing clothes are or how amazing, what kind of amazing shape you're in, no matter how good a swimmer you might be, you need to wear a life jacket because there are people who have fallen off boats that I know who are no longer living. You know, it's so easy to drown. It's crazy. All you have to do is like hit your head and aspirate and, um, and then have to rely on a boat coming coming back and picking you up before you perish. It's just, it's awful. You have, wearing a life jacket will mitigate a lot of, a lot of uh, grief for um, your family and friends. Uh, number two, uh, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. I know some people don't like to, to use the potty on the boat or the bucket if they don't really have a head on the boat, uh, an actual toilet but it's really easy to get overwhelmed with the sun or even in the winter time with the wind. And if you're really working hard on the boat, um, if you're not drinking enough water, you're not gonna be responsive and you're not able to, to help your teammates. And a lot of people uh, minimize that, um, that, uh, that situation. And the other thing is, um, once again, learn as much as you possibly can about about sailing, staying safe, uh, proper ways to, um, to hold lines, to grind winches, um, you know, all the mechanical parts of the boat, you should really be familiar with them, know what they do, and um, in an emergency, how to operate them. Thank you. Those are some great safety tips. And I would like to emphasize wearing a life jacket. Life jackets are your boat seat belts. If they aren't on, they aren't going to work. So life jackets save lives. Make sure to save the ones you love and always make sure you and your loved ones are always wearing life jackets while boating. Now moving on, what are some environmental impacts you see out on the water from sailing and some ways sailors can help alleviate those impacts? That's a great, great question. I find that sailors, no matter when they were born, you know, the, they have the, the kid sailors and then the college age sailors and then like the oldsters like me and everybody in between, 
seem to be the most environmentally aware people that I know out of all of my friend base. So most boats, for example, won't allow plastic bottles on the boat. Like you have to bring your own canteen, your own, um, your own water bottle, and hopefully it's not plastic. So, so you, you know, or if it is plastic that you're reusing it, nobody wants to see plastic in the water. Uh, no one, uh, no one wants to see balloons in the water. No one wants to see any of that junk in the water. So if we're not actually racing, we're actually scooping stuff out of the water. It's kind of fun. It's like um, pretend man overboard drills um, to pick junk out of the water. Um, and also um, people just being much more aware about um, uh, not dumping their orange peels overboard, like actually putting me in the trash. Um, also, when you're um, emptying out your holding tank, so the, 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 the potty in the boat goes into a holding tank, you don't want to discharge that anywhere near land. And, um, and also, when we, we very rarely change the oil in a diesel, for example. Most big boats have diesel engines, but any kind of oil changing, any of that, that um, or when you fuel the boat, that we always have those absorbent pads in case there's any kind of spillage or anything. And that's for the fumes and for not getting um, uh, contaminants in the water. Yes, being out on the water is a special experience and it can be ruined by seeing trash, plastics and oils out on the water. We want to make sure we all do what we can do to keep our waters clean for future generations. Now, moving on to my last question of this interview, Marie, from your point of view, how can not only the sailing community, but the entire boating community be more welcoming to diverse groups to make the sport more inclusive? You know, that's the big question right now. We've evolved a lot since um, the advent or the re advent of Black Lives Matter from like a few years ago during the pandemic. I think a lot of people had time to think about this issue. And before, before Black Lives Matter, it was just always kind of like a big, the big buzzkill, like around yacht clubs and stuff. It's like, why do we have to talk? Like, why do we have to talk about color? And, you know, a lot of white voters are like, well, I don't even see color. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. But the same person might use a really derogatory remark. Uh, around, you know, on a boat or, you know, around people on the docks that, um, you know, we're putting people down because of their race. And so by having these conversations, uh, it's starting to open people's minds. And also part of what I've been doing and in my inclusive boating committee with Southern California Yachting and also what we do at U.S. Sailing is when we even though a lot of people are adverse to the whole idea of like diversity training, but we've, we've been really successful in um, describing situations where like, let's say you as a white person walks into like uh, a room with like all black people or all his Filipinos or all his, you know, and how would you feel, you know, how would you feel if nobody came up I made a special effort to like invite you in to make you feel part of the group. And that's mainly, you know, what we're feeling, but it's, it's changing because people are a lot more aware. And so uh, I realize it's going to take time and we all have to be patient. But, uh, more and more people I think are feeling less alarmed by this, um, 
this notion of being um, inclusive and you're just sort of slowly getting used to the idea and it's it hopefully won't be such a, a big deal you know you're just being natural to see uh, more people of color on boats thank you marie for that insight and being a change maker and also being open to speaking with me today Hopefully we can all learn from your story and work together to make the boating community welcoming and more inclusive. Marie, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I just really want to thank you for the opportunity. Um, I would just, anybody who, who hasn't um, had any exhaling experience or if you've had an experience and maybe you didn't like it <laughs> or you did like it, that you keep coming out. And once again, Google in your area where all the uh, where the activity is happening, and um, and there's a lot of social media that you could just follow us either U.S. Sailing or Southern California Yachting, and there's a lot going on. And uh, we are very inviting people. It doesn't matter what your background is. Thank you, Marie. It has been an honor speaking with you today and learning more about your experience sailing as a Black woman. Thank you to all of our listeners out there, and don't forget to tune in next time with Dockside. This podcast was brought to you by the California State Parks, the California Coastal Commission, and the San Francisco Estuary Partnership, and it is partially funded by the Division of Boating and Waterways Clean Vessel Act Education Program and the Federal Clean Vessel Grant Act Program.